Amen. Can everyone hear me? Okay. Good morning, Grace Life. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me again, my name is Pedro. I've been a part of the Grace Life family for three years now, a little over three years, since 2018. I met Pastor Joe, amazing man, one of my favorite pastors that I've ever had the pleasure of sitting under. So I want to thank him and the Shepherd team for allowing me to, uh, this privilege to share uh, not only what God has done in my life, but what he's doing uh, through my life now in, in the ministry that uh, me and my wife have launched back in 2019. We are the founders and executive directors of Urban Youth Justice. Today's message is titled, An Exhortation for the Redeemed, A Call to Discipleship. For those who may not know, an exhortation is an urgent call to action. So I want to I talk to the redeemed today and those who are tuning in as well, but I also want to give hope to those who may not know that our Redeemer lives. So I'll start with Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those who he redeemed from the hand of the foe, the hand of, our, of, of the enemy. So I want to share a little bit of my story and, and how I came to Christ and what God has done in my life and how he gave me the heart for the lost and so I'll start by saying I was born to teenage parents. My mom was 15 years old when she, she gave birth to me. My father was 16. When I turned 12, I lost my father to substance abuse. Little did I know at that time that losing my father and becoming fatherless would have such a detrimental effect on my life. It really scarred me and it, it caused me a lot of pain. So my journey consists of loss, lies, and lawlessness, but it brought me to loving God and brought me to loving my neighbor. In an attempt to fill a void and find my identity, I began to pursue things that never satisfied, from trying drugs myself, to being, becoming a womanizer, to becoming a drug dealer. In the 90s, I got involved with what was the big epidemic at that time, crack cocaine, and that became my source of income. I had to survive. My mother was on a journey of addiction. She was using cocaine for about 10 years of my youth, so our relationship was broken. And so I ended up on that broad road that we hear about in Matthew 7. I was lost. I was angry. I was hurt. Didn't know what my future uh, was, was looking, if it was going to be bright or not. I kept hearing lies and telling me, well, you're Hispanic, you're growing up in a poor neighborhood without no father, the chances of you becoming much is slim to none. You're probably gonna end up dead or in prison. And I began, I began to walk in those lies. I began to believe those lies. And I realized that's exactly where I was headed. And so I learned real quickly after years of being on the streets and, and being incarcerated as a juvenile myself, then Matthew 16, 26, when it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? So I was, I was in love with money. I was, money became my God. It, it was what I chased. is what I lived for. I thought that's all that life had to offer. I later, in my, in, in my street life, I was blessed to meet my wife who's sitting in the back. We've been married 22 years, together 27 years. And she journeyed this journey with me. She got to see the rough side of me, the, 
before Christ, and she's gotten to see me become the man God has called me to be. But we journeyed this thing together, and it was through her faith, through her boldness, and breaking up with me and saying, I cannot be with you anymore. I want to give my, recommit my life to Christ. She had strayed from the path as well for years, and she knew God from when she was a little girl. They took her to church, and that wasn't my story. I, I didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't I believed there was a God, but I didn't know much. Didn't really go to church much. And so 1998, we break up. We have a daughter who's also sitting in this room now with my granddaughter who's one year old. And so the beautiful part of it was that I was offered an opportunity to sit with a pastor who I didn't think was going to tell me much that I wanted to hear. But I saw a transformation take place in my wife's life that was beautiful. I got to see her go and stray back to where she needed to go. And um, she ended up giving her life back to Christ. I saw a transformation take place that just drew my attention. And I was like, man, how does somebody change that quickly? She's just stopped doing a lot of things that I was doing. And so she brought me to this pastor. And I met with him. He sat with me. And he gave me the Bible. I was not a reader. I was actually a high school dropout because of my criminal charges. I had no interest in, in reading anything. I just didn't care for it. He gives me this Bible, just like a doctor does when you go to a doctor when you're sick, and he gives you a script and says, hey, here, go, go to the pharmacy and get yourself some medication, right? Well, this pastor highlights a couple of verses in the book of Romans, a couple of verses in the book of John, and says, go read that and come back and see me. I don't know what happened to me can't really describe it, but I know it's conversion, because when I went home and started to open up the Bible, I didn't just read those few verses. After reading those few verses, I wanted to go and read Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. I just started reading. I just fell in love with God's word. The scales fell off my eyes. I was no longer blind. I really, I found out about this man named Jesus who had died for me and realized that I was broken. I needed healing. And so after that, I went to church and, and began to follow the ways of God, handed my business over. I didn't want nothing to do with it. Retired from the drug dealing life, just gave it up. Dropped drugs. I stopped getting high, stopped going to clubs, stopped hanging out with the wrong people. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pleasing. And so that's... That was that transformation that began to happen in my life. My mind started to change. My heart started to change. I started to hate the things that I once loved and love the things that I once never even knew about. So God takes us from transformation to application. So that's a little bit about my story. There's a lot of detail that I left out for time's sake. I didn't really come here to talk about myself, but I thought it was necessary to give you a little context of why I'm, why I'm doing what I'm doing now, why God has drawn my heart to this. This specific population that I get to, the privilege to minister and speak into their lives. And so we can, uh, I want to just, actually, can we uh, show that YouTube video clip one first? Yeah, there we go. Human Services Counseling. I'm also certified youth life coach with YCI. And I'm currently working on my doctoral degree in transformational leadership with Baki Graduate University. And I'm the founder of Urban Youth Justice. Urban Youth Justice was founded on 
out of Bradenton, Florida. That's where I originally moved to from New York, from New Jersey. 2019, September. September of 2019. Youth justice means to me a calling. It is a biblical mandate. I believe uh, that you know we all have a calling. We all have a purpose. Um, you know, we see in Scripture clearly we're called to make disciples. Right? It says go. Right? It says go. And so go is is action. Right? We need to put feet to that to our faith. And so um, urban youth justice to me is a a method of how we're supposed to carry out that calling. Even before even uh, it, it was created, I knew God had something uh, for us. Uh, I just didn't, we didn't know what it was. We just prayed that God would lead us. And uh, he began opening the doors to um, entering facilities. My husband started first with the uh, adult men um, volunteering and uh, he saw how impactful it was, but he felt more where he wanted to minister to a younger crowd so that they don't have to be in the predicament where the older men are. Um, he once shared with me that he asked a question to one of the males that were in there, um, and he says, so when are you getting out? And um, the guy said, I'm a lifer. And that was pretty tough because that's when he was like, wow, I need to speak to the younger crowd so that they don't get to this point in, this, in their life. My name is Pedro Rodriguez and I have a master's degree in human services counseling. I'm also certified youth life coach with YCI. And I'm currently working on my doctoral degree in transformational leadership with Baki Graduate University. And I'm the founder of Urban Youth Justice. Urban Youth Justice was I got cut, but it's okay. That was just a, a, a short clip of the beginning of that part one uh, video. It's a 15-minute uh, documentary. We got two parts to it. Um, just just a, little, a little snippet of how we got started. I was doing prison ministry with adults. Met a lifer, and uh, it, it really brought some perspective and made me realize I needed to speak to the young crowd. And so... God sends us back to the places he delivered us from, right? I was once in juvenile detention, and I was in county jail as an, as an adult as well. And I remember a judge once telling me, um, this was God's grace. If I ever see you in my courtroom again, you're not going home. And so that was like silly in 1998, right before I ended up uh, coming to Christ. So I know that if I had not left, if God had not pulled me out from the lifestyle I was in, I would have ended up in prison uh, who knows doing how much time. So I just want to share this verse and then we'll get into um, some, some clips, uh, some photos I want to show you guys of what, where we're at now, what we're doing. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, Romans 10, 14, and 15. He didn't save us to become spiritual gluttons, to leave his spiritual children to become spiritual orphans. And quite often, people come to Christ and the discipleship is lacking, and you see people not growing in their faith and kind of straying away because we have failed time and time again to emphasize how important discipleship is. So I just want to show you a little bit. So here you see a couple of photos. On year one, phase one, we, we launched this in 2019. My goal was to enter doors that not many volunteers have entered. I speak to a lot of facility administrators who run these facilities, and they say, man, volunteers are just not coming in. Especially since COVID, when the doors opened back up, we did have a six-month sabbatical from being able to go inside and stuff because of the COVID uh, thing that was going on. But um, we were able to go back in in 2020, and since then, just the doors have opened. Um, I didn't mention this, but it does help that I actually work in the field. I am now a therapist. Um, I went on and got my master's degree in counseling, so I went from being a drug dealer to becoming a drug counselor. And so, and so I have a, <laughs> I'm a therapist at a juvenile detention center, and so that has given me a lot of uh, you know, access to places that most people won't be able to get access to. And so I'll show you just some pictures of, I mean, you see rec rooms full of kids. You know, this is us you know, speaking to the kids. That's one of my, uh, we, do, we use Christian hip-hop. Maybe not a lot of you are into Christian hip-hop or know much about Christian hip-hop, but that's my favorite genre. I grew up listening to Secular hip-hop, where it was degrading women and talking about money and all this trash. But we use now music that's full of God, godly lyrics. And the kids, this generation, they love hip-hop. They love rap music. So we use that. As you see, that's one of my partners. He's got the kids hyped up. You know, we're doing music outside in a, in a gazebo there. It was actually raining and cold that morning. Um, but here, we were actually able to partner with a couple of local churches in St. Pete, another one in the Panhandle. And as you see, some youth are actually being baptized that have been discipled by my team. And so they're baptizing now, and, and we're praying with the kids. I got to go to New Mexico in June and do a Ready for Life event with some youth. It's beautiful when they reach out to you after you've made an impact on their life, and they're telling you, hey, I'm so grateful that I met you and, and you shared with me what you did. And so Manatee County, Kissimmee, Oak Grove, I mean, these are facilities across the state. We started, we, I started actually right here in Sarasota County Jail. I have a, a deep story that happened with a young man there that I mentored who's now serving 10 years in a youthful adult prison. I won't share that story right now, but these are just photos. This is a young man in Miami who was in my program. He went home. We discipled him. He's working now, doing well. We, me and my wife got to visit him and take a photo with him in Miami. These are all the different facilities. Actually, we'll go back and leave it there for now. <clears throat> so as you see, we've been now in phase two. This is our second year. We're now planting discipleship teams. So two or three people are going inside of facilities now weekly. I can't be everywhere all the time. So my travels have been uh, spread out is why sometimes I'm not here, able to be here on a Sunday. Uh, the last two weeks I was traveling. I, was in, I got to go to Alabama, Tennessee. So now we've extended. We started off in Sarasota, Manatee County, then it, it spread to Pinellas and Hillsboro, then to the rest of the state, and then on to Tennessee, Texas, and Alabama now. And so, if you could please play the second clip, 
at the end of the as soon as I would walk onto the mod it was just like their lights their, their faces lit up you know it was like they were happy to see that one they had a visitor someone took the time out of their day to come visit me but also the words that you give them you don't realize the weight that it carries and so you know that that to me is just it's been life changing it's been life changing for me because as much as I know God uses me and my team to bless the kids they don't know how much they bless us you know because to see a smile to, to hear their feedback to hear a kid say man you know thank you because I recently had a kid say man we went to um, Daytona this was a, a facility that houses um, sexual offenders and so some of the kids in there doing like long term time one kid, man, came up to me, teary-eyed, you know, his eyes were kind of red already. And um, he says, man, you guys healed my soul. You know, and I had never heard somebody say something like that to me. And I'm like, well, first of all, Jesus is the only one that can heal your soul. I don't want that kind of credit. sexual offender facility in Daytona and um, he was doing some serious time and you know I didn't know it was my first time there and again I, I normally don't ask the kids how when they're coming you know how long they're gonna be there I just say when you're coming home and he was only 16 years old he says uh, Pedro I won't be coming home till I'm 21 so he was doing about five years which in the state of Florida five years as a, as a juvenile is considered juvenile life so that's don't know what his charges were, but it must have been something serious. And so, just want to read off a couple of a couple of points, and uh, and then we'll get we'll get ready to um, close out. So we got discipleship is a relationship between Christians, which facilitates exhortation. Christians urge, admonish, and encourage one another. Paul did this throughout the whole New Testament. Discipleship is a responsibility we should take very seriously, which I'll put up a quote a little later and, and, and I'll back that up. Discipleship is a response to love your neighbor. It is not a part-time volunteer work on, on our terms or in, in convenience. One must be prepared to leave everything to follow Christ. I've traveled, and like I said, I've been going into facilities, and sometimes when I go to these facilities, I'm there for hours. I'm not just there for one hour. I'm there for hours. It takes us hours to get there, hours to go through all 50, 60 kids because they don't let us see all the kids at once. Some kids are gang-affiliated, so they can't be in the same mod together. So I have to spend an hour at each mod. Then driving home, I'm sacrificing time away from my family, time away. I could be at the beach, I could be doing a lot of other things, but I'm giving up my weekends and, and a lot of my resources into this. So, the next one is, um, I, I want to I also uh, spend a, a couple of minutes um, letting you all know that, of course, God has made this possible, but it also... Uh, required a lot of support. So a lot of times I've had to, when we first launched this, I had to visit other churches. Not that I was trying to leave my guy, I love Grace Life and, and Pastor Joe, 
But I had to visit other churches because as a nonprofit organization, we got to gain support from a lot of other people. This is all on donations. In the beginning, it was my own resources, and then God began to provide. So now we have, we have some good support from, from Grace Life, from other churches, uh, Tampa Underground, St. Pete Underground. But I do want to give uh, some thanks to Grace Life and, and the incredible support that I've gotten from all of you, uh, just the financial support, the prayers. Um, Joe is just amazing and all that he's uh, allowed us to accomplish. We have conversations pretty much every week and he sees the need and he just, he blows my mind. He truly is uh, an example of the core values of Grace Life, you know, generous, you know, he's generous. You know, the, the giving just, he's, he's, he's mobile-minded. He's not just four walls. It's one of the things I love about Grace Life. There's a very unique and different type of church unlike any other church I've ever attended. And after my journey, my wife will tell you, after my journey of visiting so many churches, and I'm talking about different denominations, um, Grace Life is my home. I, I just, I'm not going anywhere. Really, really appreciate Grace Life, um, from the theology to the, just the love and, and the, the genuineness. Um, so I want to throw up a... I want to get those ver those those verses. Oh oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. There we go. Yeah. So I just want to share two quotes with you. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Right. It's beautiful to to share our conversion stories, how we came to Christ. Right. But then we need to be discipled. And then we become disciples so that now we go and make disciples, and that's what it's all about. That's how we become a family. We help each other grow. We, we, we cry with each other. We pray with each other. One, one, of, the, one of the greatest uh, things is not even sharing the gospel. That's, that's a privilege that I get to do with the young kids. But one of my favorite things to do is just sit with them, sit with them across the table, hear their stories. Because sometimes I walk into a room, and I'm like, they come in with, with hard hearts. They, they got mean mugs. They're looking at us like, who are you? What are you here for? I want to hear what you got to say. And it could be intimidating, right, if you're not used to being around that, that kind of that tension. But I've seen time and time again where God does something amazing. And what it is is that we show love and we become transparent. We start to share our stories. And then they realize, wow, these guys are just like us. Right? But they see that we, we're now billboards. I always refer to us as billboards on display right? of what Christ has done. We're, we're walking miracles. And so when they hear that, mo most, of my, most of the guys on my team and the women on my team you know, have some crazy stories from, I got a young lady in, in the wheelchair who, who was shot at gun, you know, close range by an ex-gang member boyfriend who was stalking her, her ex-boyfriend, and she almost died. And so... I have people who served 17 years, 10 years in prison, you know, so some of the, they share these stories and the kids just gravitate to that. But just hearing their stories, hearing them talk about, you know, what they've been through. Most of them are fatherless and now we're in this thing, it's like they're not just fatherless, they're parentless. Most kids that come to me or that I get to work with, fathers are passed away or in prison and mothers are on drugs or in prison too. And so when they get out of these programs, they don't even have a place to go. They're turning 18. They can't go into foster care anymore. They're growing out of that. 
So now it's like they're homeless, they don't have no resources, and so it breaks my heart. I try to be there for them as much as I can, but I know I'm not the savior. I can't save them all, I can't be there. But we're really trying to spread out and plant teams all over the state so that these young men can have some support when they come home and have men and women that they can go to, pray with, get connected to local churches in their communities. Because if I go to a facility in Miami, that doesn't mean that the kid that's locked up there is from Miami. The juvenile justice system is just like the adult justice system. They place you wherever they want. So I could be in Miami, and there could be a kid that lives in Sarasota in Miami, and he's coming home over here. And I'm like, how can I help this kid? How can I serve him? What can I do for him? How can I make his transition coming back home a lot easier? The, uh, the last quote I want to share, the greatest gift the church can receive is to have a group of families who take their responsibilities with such Christian seriousness that they are willing to completely alter their lifestyle to raise up disciples for Jesus Christ, Abraham Kuyper. So today, that's, that's my call. That's my um, urge to you, encouragement to you. Um, you know, this may not necessarily be the ministry that God is calling you to. Like I said in the beginning of the video, it's just a method that God is using me. You may be called to disciple a different population in a different method. But for us, this has become our passion. Me and my, my wife is serving uh, young girls in Tampa, two facilities we have over there. We have, so now we have a woman's team and a men's team. But if, if anyone is interested in volunteering or, or getting involved in any way, just, you know, we can talk after service. But... Um, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and uh, close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to just serve and share, Lord God. And Lord, just tell of all the good things that you, you've done, uh, not only in my life, but what you're doing through the ministry, what you're doing um, in the lives of all the youth that I've been able to speak to, Lord, that we've been able to, to just love on, Lord God. Thank you for, for pressing on our hearts, Lord God, to, to love our neighbor and to love you, Lord God. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. For, I just pray for Grace Life, each and every one who's in this room, those who are tuning in, Lord God, in some way this may have resonated, maybe it tugs on their heart to serve, to, to find someone in their, in their circle that they can disciple and, and pour into, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for this, for this day and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. A couple quotable quotes. Uh, what did you say that God put you back to f from where he brought you? What was that? Say that line one more time. Sends us back to where he delivers us. I think everybody can identify with that some way or the other. The other thing is don't ever underestimate uh, the power of what your story can do. So maybe Pedro's is different than mine, than yours, than yours, than yours, than yours, than yours. Than yours. But God will always use your story because it's his story of deliverance for his kingdom. Uh, I'm going to pray for them, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, God, we ask for your grace and your protection to please be around Pedro and Haiti and their entire family, this entire team of people. The enemy is always coming for us. 
all the time. But especially when your kingdom is really on the move and building momentum, that's when we are maybe more vulnerable and susceptible. We ask for you to blanket over them. Grace and mercy and love and protection.